1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
4: The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal Elders past, present and those emerging.
0: The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children.
5: One of the things I really miss is his phone calls to me, to talk to me. Because he used to call us all quite regularly just to see how we're going, how our kids are going, his grandkids are going. What we've been up to, to tell us about things he'd been up to, where he'd been camping things he'd seen when he was out camping, those sorts of things. So I think we really miss the phone calls from him.
6: Yes. And, and he would call about, you know, asking questions. He would more recently would be calling about his drone, needing help with setting it up, his phone, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, his age is, you know, not really into technology in that way. And, and, and the I drone think, was quite new. Yeah, him. it was like his new toy and um, really just wanted to get the most out of it and yeah, but checking up how, how we were going, I think he would do it at times that mum was out at one of her things that she does each week. He'd be at home by himself. He'd call us up and have a chat. So, yeah, it was I really do miss those. Yeah. Yes, and I think a memory that just keeps popping in my mind. <laughs> it's the last time we saw him at my daughter's birthday. <laughs> thinking of the things he said and, and what I said and just what I wish I'd have said. Just, that's a hard memory, but it's just what it is. Yeah. And I think I found my daughter's birthday this year really difficult, just knowing that it was like an anniversary of that last time. But at the same time, trying to be happy with my daughter. It was her birthday, so but I just found that really hard.
0: That's Russell Hill's daughters, Debbie and Colleen, speaking to media 20 months after he and his companion Carol Clay disappeared from the Wanangatta Valley in northeast Victoria. Neither family had faced the media since the elderly couple had gone missing and their campsite had been found burnt out in March 2020. The sisters confirmed that neither they nor their mother had known until police informed them of their father's relationship with Carol Clay. It had been going on for some time, according to Carol's sister, who said the couple had camped in the valley often. According to his daughters, it was a very special place for Russell.
5: He really liked the solitude up there because he doesn't really like big crowds of people. Um, so, I think... And he just enjoyed the just being in the environment up there. It's hard, it was hard for him initially when he retired because... Yeah, I think he felt a bit lost on what to do with himself because working all working full time, then not working at all is a big change. But um, yeah, I think he he's focused, camping. Yeah,
6: yeah he went sp- to camping. He oh. you know bought the best tent he could. All those things
5: um, set up his vehicle. Yeah, set up the vehicle properly to enjoy it more and be safer overall. Um, I think that's what he really started to really enjoy doing in his retirement. When I was a child, it just seemed like it was really
6: his favourite place. Mm. So when he did retire and started to go there camping, it just made sense to us that he would do that. And for him to, um, you know, go back often, it just—it's like that's his place.
5: You know. Yeah. So that's yes. what yeah, definitely thought because he, he would go cool.
6: and not set a date to return. Like he didn't plan things that way. He would just go with enough things to stay as long as he wanted. Uh, maybe depending on the weather, I don't know. But, um, yeah, he wouldn't really set the date to return. But as soon as yeah, not really hearing from him is not not usual and worrying. So, yeah, just that regular call that he was planning to be making or did usually make with his radio friends, that not happening. Although, you know, there's always that chance that, you know, the radio wasn't working or he was somewhere where it didn't work Um it just wasn't usual, and, and I think Mum realised
5: that and, and started to get worried, and that's when, yeah, when it all to, started. Yeah, really? for her to be worried, it really meant a lot.
0: Over the months, many theories had been tabled as to what might have happened to Russell Hill and Carol Clay, rumours of accidental shootings by deer hunters, hooligans with illegal firearms, and, of course, the spooky button man who's said to creep around the mountains, appearing in people's campsites unannounced, even taking photos of them with their own cameras while they sleep. All of this adds to the terrible trauma and ambiguous loss of the families of the missing, who can't help but consider every possibility.
5: You've got to stop thinking about them too much because you can go too far in your mind. Ridiculous. And you're guessing. Because we know nothing. Mm -hmm about what happened. It's just left a real big hole, deep hole inside, without him.
6: Yeah. And I, I do think about our kids not really remembering him because they didn't really have
5: the time we had. So, yeah, that worries yeah. me. I just really miss him, just talking to him. Mm not knowing what he thinks about things that are happening in our life or in the kids' yeah. lives or... Or something you might want to tell him and you think, oh, I'll ring Dad and we can't. Yeah. you know, just say, oh, Dad would have liked to know that.
6: To get answers would be massive, you know. Even some hints at an answer would be good and just have an idea of, you know, whether he suffered, for instance, or, or not. Um... Yeah, just get some sort of idea to stop this, just going around in circles worrying and wondering what could have happened. And, yeah, it's just, it's like we're on hold.
0: Coming up on Australian True Crime, we'll share again the details of the one car that was in Wannongatta Valley on the night Russell Hill and Carol Clay disappeared that Victoria Police have not been able to trace. There are images of the car on our social media pages as well. We'll also hear from Z Meyer, whose husband Warren is one of the several other people who've disappeared in the region in the last 15 years in similar circumstances. Like Russell and Carol, Warren Meyer is still missing. But first, Keith Layden is a resident of Victoria's High Country and a historian. He loves the place and he joined me to help me understand the culture of the area because the more we hear and read about it during the search for these missing people, the more lawless it sounds. While Keith disputes the idea that Victoria's high country is lawless, he has written a book called The Wanangatta Mystery about the first recorded unsolved murder in the valley, which happened in
4: 1917. The story goes that an American, Oliver Smith, was prospecting and prospecting up the Wanangatta River, and then he came to the Wanangatta Valley and saw it and straight away said, oh cattle gotta be and he then went and got his um de facto wife and the children and settled the valley and william bryce was a cartage contractor he had horses pack horses
0: i was in carts
4: yeah cartage cartage yeah there was a lot of gold towns around morning data and william bryce used to bring in goods from myrtleford to those towns and the way through was through the Gatter Valley. And he became friends with Oliver Smith. And the story goes that Oliver Smith asked him to become a partner, which he did. In 1870, the first lease by William Bryce was signed. But um, Oliver Smith de facto died in childbirth. Well, she died um, about 10 days after giving birth to twins, uh, 1872. The children were two girls, Mary and Melinda, and Alan Smith died after about 11 days, and then I think it's 12 days um, one of the twins died and the next day the other one died. That was the beginning of the warning Data Cemetery, so they're buried there, yeah.
0: Oh, that poor man too. God, how awful. Well, he was devastated Mm. and
4: um, he was illiterate, but he, he got a large piece of slate from down by the river and made a gravestone. And the story is that Mrs Bryce wrote on a piece of paper what he should put on the gravestone, which he did, but being illiterate, he put the end the wrong way.
0: Oh, we can forgive him that. Bless him. Yeah.
4: (laughs) But but he then left the valley, left everything to William Bryce. When William Bryce uh, brought his family in, two of his children were quite young, so they they came in in kerosene tins tied either side of a pack horse.
0: Oh, little babies?
4: No, well, toddlers.
0: Toddlers sitting in big kerosene tins.
4: Is, yes, the lids were cut off. The top was cut off the kerosene tin and they were just sitting in there probably with a, a pillow and a blanket and either side of the uh, pack horse.
0: That is adorable.
4: <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, look, it, it, it's um, not, I don't know about Supernatural, but certainly is a beautiful place.
0: Well, listen, we haven't got to the supernatural bit yet. Right. So just yeah. you hold your horses in your kerosene tins because <laughs> we're getting there. We got, I guess I'm I'm trying to figure out when we get to the creepiness of the place because look, it's so beautiful. And and you've pointed me in, in the direction of the Wanangata Valley Facebook page. It's stunning, lovely photographs and drone footage of the area. When, when do deer enter the equation? Were there always wild deer in the valley or were they introduced later?
4: Introduced, yeah.
0: Yeah, right, because they're not native to Australia, are they?
4: No, they're not, no. Right. And they're in plague proportions at the moment, to, but you're not allowed to have guns in the valley under a certain calibre. So you can't have a shotgun or a twenty-two or anything like that. You can only have a, a high-powered rifle capable of, sh- of shooting gear.
0: That, that sounds worse.
4: <laughs> well, those guns would still be in there anyway, mm. but you're not allowed to hunt rabbits in there or... Ducks or anything like that, only deer. Okay. So anyone with a a gun below a certain caliber could be charged and have their gun confiscated.
0: Well, that sounds great in theory, but also (laughs) (laughs) how do they. Well, we won't even get into that because you're not going to know the answer. No one knows the answer really about how well it can be policed, right? Police do their best. We all know that. And And the park rangers. Park rangers. They got park rangers, right? Oh, yeah,
4: certainly park rangers, yeah.
0: But they also. Don't they have gates, like for some time of the year it's actually gated, you can't get in there?
4: Yeah, from from Queen's birthday weekend until cup weekend, a fair bit of the Victorian Alps is closed with gates to stop four-wheel drives cutting up all the tracks and all the flats, turning them into bogs. Oh, because it's just too wet. It's just too wet for continual, you know, vehicles. One or two going through make enough mess, but if there's if it's open. So the, the Warningator Valley itself was closed from that time, but you were still allowed to go in there and shoot, but you have to walk or ride a horse in. Not, you're not allowed to drive in, but people do cut the gates and cut the locks off and drive in.
0: Who are these people? This is what I'm trying to get to, Keith. It seems to attract a pretty hardcore type of person
4: well there there are wonderful people who obey the law that hunt deer there's a lot of them Uh, it's just the the rogue ones that give all of them the bad reputation and you know the deer association work with the rangers they do work in there they they do work in the alps they you know look after some of the huts and you know clear tracks and things like that they're not all rambos
0: Well, okay, but even when you say that, it sounds like, but there are some Rambos.
4: (laughs) Well, there are are idiots in all society doing, whether it be, you know, racing in the streets or, Mm. you know, anything like that, that you always get people that um, push it to the limit.
0: Yeah, but when I read theories about where missing people are and certainly recently it's about carol clay and russell hill the elderly two who've gone missing up in the high country you read little just these little throwaway lines like there had been people stealing from camps a bit around the place so oh there was yeah a few people who were camping up there said that they'd look up and there was a a mystery bloke standing on the other side of their fire oh and then there's the button man Oh, yeah, yeah, there is the button man. Oh, yeah, and then there's these people who bury big drums of supplies so they can come back in later. And, and then there's those blokes who hunt with bows and arrows. It's terrifying, Keith. Just the, the way people describe the, the, the people who hang out in the Wadangatta Valley is like, who are these people? What is this place? It sounds like Deliverance. Um, well, I'll make a comparison.
4: Then um, in Melbourne, you've got drug dealers on corners, gangsters oh, shooting each other, Keith. hitting innocent bystanders, oh, burglaries Keith. happening no, all we over,
0: don't.
4: Um, people breaking into houses and stealing
0: cars. I don't.
4: <laughs> no.
0: Not in this concentrated area. Yeah, and no. I
4: certainly don't uh, do anything like that in Morning Gadder. I'm just making a, an an a comparison.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah.
4: Um, okay. It's, it's great to. Think somewhere you don't know or you haven't been. Yeah. You visualise what it's like, and it and you um, frighten yourself in a way.
7: Yeah. It's yeah, like you're the right. dark.
4: We're not scared of the dark because um, we can't see. It's because we don't know what's out there.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But but it would it be fair to say that it's? I mean, is it the kind of place that I should just like go to BCF and buy a tent and take my kids away <laughs> for a long weekend? I mean, certainly. Yeah. It's no. no different to
4: any other any other of the mountain camping spots. Um, it's you know when I say it's no different, it is, of course it's different. But there, uh, you know, there has been you know a bit of a mystery in the last couple of years. But before that, um, uh, well, it was over a hundred years before anything else that was of note happened in the valley.
0: Because they talk, I mean, they talk about poachers. People say, "Oh, poachers got them," and all this stuff about
4: what would you be poaching in Gatter? there's nothing in there but wild animals and um people that's that's what oh so there's, there's nothing to poach
0: <laughs> that's what i don't understand uh, is it are they poaching deer and then if so isn't it legal to hunt deer or is there a time of year where it's not or something what's the story with that
4: well there's uh yes yeah, certainly um you can hunt deer in there uh, there is a deer season you have got to have a license but Gatter is not the only place they hunt and on the valley floor, there's not many deer hunters that hunt during the, the summer months. It's mostly done in there in the winter. And there aren't any. There shouldn't be any campers in there.
0: Oh, but Carol Clay and Russell Hill were camping in August, was it?
4: No, March.
0: March. So they were camping in a legal time.
4: Yes. yeah. And they, And if there were people shooting in there, they certainly shouldn't have been.
0: Oh, I see. I see. So that that was what
4: the problem was.
0: Well, if, pot- if, potentially, <laughs> if that's
4: potentially yes
0: if they were in fact killed by by deer hunters then those the deer hunters would have been hunting illegally
4: i'm not sure about that
0: if we can look at the recent most recent disappearances. Carol Clay and Russell Hill are the most recent, and they certainly got a lot of attention for a lot of reasons. Initially, it was because it was just a very sudden and mysterious disappearance of two people who clearly knew what they were doing. Certainly, Russell Hill was a a camper. He knew the area. He
4: knew the area well. He put the Zedrick Spur track in, in the late 80s, working on a bulldozer. So he knew the area well. And you know, when they were camped in the valley, there were many other camps there as well further along the valley. So he was a pretty regular visitor to the valley as as far as just recreation and camping.
0: Unfortunately, those two lovely people still are unaccounted for. And their campsite was found burnt. Someone had tried to set fire to it. It was in disarray and they were nowhere to be found. And then very soon after that, it was discovered that they were not married to each other. And in fact, he was married to someone else. So that added sizzle to the story. But also then, Soon after that, other people chimed in, his friends and, and other people to say that's not how he would have set up his camp. There are lots of strange things about this case. And,
4: and as far as the camp being set up differently, I don't know anything about that. I've seen the site and how I would set up a camp. They had the tent attached to the car, which you do. So if you get rain, you can walk out and get in, get to the car you know, to get things out of it without getting wet. They had a toilet set up just a, a port potty I think. But they were only camped 100 metres from a long-drop toilet. They were right on the river, so it's a perf- perfect camping spot. It's, it's actually quite a pretty, pretty spot.
0: And there's lots of horrible, horrible rumours and stories involving things ranging from illegal hunters to wild dogs. Aren't they awful? We haven't even discussed that. What's with the wild dogs? Are there really packs of wild dogs around the valley?
4: There are certainly wild dogs there, around um, when you camp, sometimes you can hear them howling at night. Um, they do Not uh, not as far as I'm concerned, I've been camping there many times and I've not had any come in the camp, but you do hear mm. them howling out there at night and there's certainly plenty around all over um, the, the bush in Victoria.
0: Well, the suggestion is not so much that they would attack and kill anybody as it is that if, God forbid, you if you had an accident, let's say, that they may take care of your remains.
4: Yeah, that's certainly a very good possibility. If if they were above ground and, and dead, the, yeah, there certainly would be animals having a go. At it, and wild dogs wouldn't be the only ones.
0: No, absolutely. In the wilderness, animals will take care of your remains pretty quickly. The button man. Let's discuss the button man. Again, initially a very salacious part of the story. Everyone was very excited about this eccentric Guy, and they created a boogeyman out of him really quickly and effectively in the media. What's your understanding of this person? Have you ever met him?
4: No, I've never met him, but I have seen him in in town. And his name, his nickname is Buttons, which uh, got expanded by media into the Button Man because it sounds sounds much more mysterious, doesn't it? And scary. As I understand it, he's in his seventies, um, a bird watcher and he um, sends information onto one of the universities in Melbourne. Um, he lives in Melbourne, comes up for six months of the year and lives in, in the mountains and, um, yeah, gets around. Um, he uh, can appear in your camp at times, uh, apparently stay for a cup of tea and then head off. No trouble at all. I think when the police interviewed him, I think it might have been as much as anything as to find out what he'd seen not what he was involved in.
0: That's reiterated by a number of locals as well, and certainly that characterization that he's a pretty gentle soul who's a bird watcher. I think
4: he is, uh, he, he's certainly a little bit eccentric, there's no doubt about and that. And that's not a crime? No. No, it's not a crime to be different.
0: I hope it's not, otherwise I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Keith?
4: <laughs> William Bryce died in 1910.
0: Our who who bought the first freeholds there in the beautiful valley...
4: Yeah, and bought his family with his children in the kerosene tins. Yeah. Um, but by then it was a, quite a large and successful property. The army were buying their horses. A lot of the horses from Warning Battle were used in the First World War and their cattle was bringing top price at the markets. When he died, he, uh, he left the station to one daughter and son, mm. not to his wife. Oh, which was, how come? Well, I think it was probably... From what I understand, it was a bit of a custom at the time. But um, Mrs Bryce had two daughters buried in the cemetery and she wanted to be buried with them. So the the children agreed not to sell the station until after she passed away so she could be buried in the um, cemetery, Mm. which she did in 1914. Her funeral was attended by quite a lot of people in the area it was quite a large funeral and she was buried with her daughter Jessie who died at 21 from consumption which is now tuberculosis as we call it yeah. when they sold the property a partnership of Arthur Phillips and Geoffrey Ritchie from Mansfield they were two big property owners in Mansfield bought it and installed a fellow Jim Barclay as a manager around uh, nine, at late 1917 Jim Barclay employed a cook come handyman helper by the name of John Bamford. Two weeks after he started, after John Bamford started, they both rode to Talbotville to vote in the referendum for conscription for the First World War. Uh, They stayed the night there with uh, the post office owner there, Albert Stout, and left in the morning, and that was the last time they were seen alive, except by the people that killed them. A neighbour, Harry Smith, was a friend of Barclay's. He lived at Eagle Vale, He rode over the mountains into Warninggatter regularly and he used to bring Barclays mail, which he would get from Talbotville. It was a common thing in the mountains that if you were going past someone's farm or property uh, and you were going through town, you'd pick up their mail. When Smith got to the homestead, the homestead was empty and there was a note written on the door in chalk, home tonight. So he stayed the night, no one came. So he left the mail on the table and rode back to Eaglevale. A month later, he came back again. And the mail was still where he'd left it. And obviously, no one had um, had been in the place. It was exactly as he left it. So he sent a telegram to Geoffrey Ritchie that he'd it, been twice and there was nobody there. Geoffrey Ritchie rode over from Mansfield to Warning Batter and then on to Eaglevale. And they went back to Warning Batter to search. And about a quarter of a mile from the homestead, they were riding along the creek bed there and noticed a um, red blanket. And when they got closer, there was a skull sticking out of the sand. Oh, no. And they thought the skull was just sitting there on its own, so they got a stick to roll it over, but it was attached to the body still, and the body was buried in the sand, and that was the manager, Jim Barclay.
1: Mm.
4: They let the police know, and John Bamford was nowhere to be found. His clothes were in a mess on the floor. looked like he got changed really quickly and taken off. His horse was missing. They put out a warrant for his arrest. As spring started to come, Harry Smith, the neighbour, Went to the police in Dargo and said, I think you'll find John Bamford on Mount Howard. So they organised a search party and went and looked and found him about a quarter of a mile from Howard Hut under a log with a bullet in his left (gasps) temple. Oh, God. And uh, an autopsy report showed that he'd been dead about nine months. So it's about the same time Barclay was killed.
0: So they were able to do a decent autopsy. I was just sitting here thinking, oh, and, of course, they wouldn't have had any forensics or anything like that, but they were able to do a decent autopsy. That's good. Yeah, they did it on a table in the Dargo pub. Yeah, but, (laughs) sure, but at least they were able to do it. (laughs) Yes,
4: and Barclay's um, autopsy was done at the Mansfield Hospital and then an inquest was held at the Mansfield Courthouse into his death. Mm. It was established to have been shot in the back with his own shotgun um, and Bamford had been shot in the temple with Bar- probably Barclay's pistol. So whoever did it used two weapons that were already on the property.
0: Yeah. Any theories as to who did it?
4: Oh, there was a lot of theories, cattle cattle theft. Mm. But um, the, the list of things missing from the station, the only stock missing was uh, the horse Thelma that Bamford was riding. There were no cattle listed as stolen and, and the list was put together by um, Arthur Phillips, the owner, so he would know how many, you know, head of stock he had there and so forth. So,
0: And you'd think if they killed them both, there's nothing stopping them from taking all
4: the cattle. Yes, that's right. You know, um, some checks were stolen out of Barclays' um, checkbook. His suit was stolen. Um, yeah, there were a few other things missing, just bits and pieces. Uh, I think that might have been done to try and make it look like a burglary. But there was also um, a rumour that he was um, seeing a woman regularly and that possibly the family weren't happy about it. There's even been rumours that um, a jealous husband wasn't happy. But um, again, rumours.
0: Yeah, because it seems as though the cattle was the most valuable thing there, right? So if you leave the cattle behind, maybe you don't have anywhere to put them or...
4: Well, I think, yeah, I think, you know, know? stealing a a big um, herd of cattle would immediately put, would immediately draw attention attention (laughs) to you when when you're down at the sale yards trying to sell them and they've got a warning, got a brand or something you're (laughs) trying to alter. I think that that would just that yeah, that would really have the police zeroing you. Not that they weren't. Yeah, yeah. So there were, you know, many other uh, theories and, and so forth. When they were hunting for Bamford, apparently a lot of people in the high country were, were really scared people in mansfield were scared that you know john bamford the murderer might come over not knowing that he was already dead on Manhattan.
0: Mm. someone bigger and badder was wandering around <laughs> yes
3: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
2: nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt
3: until you tried it on same goes for your health care
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: So it seems the high country has run on theories of what fate has befallen people for a very long time. Coming up on Australian True Crime, we hear from Z Meyer, whose husband Warren disappeared from there in 2018, amidst rumours that sound like the plot of a horror movie, and he's still missing. While rumours have circulated for over a year and a half now about what happened to Russell Hill and Carol Clay in March 2020, Missing Persons Squad boss Detective Inspector Andrew Stamper spoke to 60 Minutes just days ago about the theory he and his Victoria Police colleagues have pieced together. It hinges on the one car that was in Wollongatta Valley on the night Russell and Carol disappeared that they've not been able to track down and identify. Police have CCTV images of the vehicle and an artist's impression. The driver of this car is literally the only known person who was in the vicinity on that night police haven't interviewed about the matter.
4: we believe it's a mid-90s Nissan Patrol this one is dark blue it's got the the roof rack the side steps obviously the off-road tires and and the bull bar uh, it has a trailer on it which is a fairly standard trailer mm. but the wheels are are, are off-road wheels.
6: On the night Russell and Carol disappeared, witnesses saw a vehicle that matched this description parked near the campsite, then heard it leaving around midnight before getting caught
4: on a closed road. So we know that uh, that there was a car that sounded uh, like a petrol motor towing a trailer uh, that was at that gate, had to perform, uh, a 20- or 30-point
0: turn on a narrow track, uh, so I was there for some time just trying to turn around. The images of that car are on our Facebook and Instagram accounts and if you have any information, you should contact Crime Stoppers immediately on 1800 333 000. Zee Meyer and her family have searched tirelessly for her husband Warren Meyer since he went missing on Easter Sunday 2008 after setting out for a hike in Victoria's high country. Warren's disappearance drew outlandish rumours for many years because it coincided with several real events that sounded like plot lines from a teen horror movie. On the same Easter long weekend in 2008 that Warren went missing, a large marijuana plantation was known to be growing in the area. A patient with homicidal tendencies escaped from a nearby psychiatric hospital and illegal automatic gunfire was heard reverberating around the hills. Warren's wife, Z agreed to talk to me about her experience. I couldn't help but start with an apology. After all, I imagine it must be very tiring going over it all
7: again. It is an exhausting process, but um, because we believe others have taken Warren's life and we've had so little support from authorities um, that I feel I need to speak up, especially with this high country um saga that's a funny word to use but I really believe there are people out there who are cowboys with guns and we believe that's what's uh, basically what's happened to Warren you know working on high probability
0: I was just speaking to a an historian from up that way Keith Layden is his name I'm sure you've seen him in in different reports he loves the area And so he'll talk to people about it, you know, and he's sort of of the attitude of, oh, well, there's bad people everywhere and there's cowboys everywhere. But I say to him, no, mate, no, this is like this to the rest of us, the rest of the world sounds extreme. Would you agree?
7: Exactly. And this attitude that you're saying with him referencing all of that, it shows you just how it's being ignored And I think if there were like in our case, if there was this out of control shooting with uh, military style weapons, you could imagine if that was happening in a suburb in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, he says, oh, well, yeah, but in Melbourne you've got robberies and you've got home invasions and all that. And I'm like, no, mate.
7: But we do have. Um, crime in big cities but crime doesn't take a holiday in the country just because it's the country doesn't mean it's an ideal um, setting and I think that uh, these cowboys with guns have got away with it for too long and I think Warren has unfortunately hiked early come across this very extreme event I don't think they expected him to be there And I feel perhaps it's been an accidental um, shooting of him. Well, of
0: course. I mean, because there's no way that Warren, you know, was involved in anything um, going on up there in a similar way to the way that these other people who've gone missing weren't involved in anything. Uh, they were on holidays, or they were hiking, or they were camping, or whatever. So, what have you learned about the goings on in the, in Victoria's High Country? You similarly had no idea about what was who these people are, who these other people who who use this area for for other means. What do you know about it now?
7: Well, I think that um, where Warren went walking is on the doorstep of Melbourne. It's a well-known, there's a couple of well-known hiking tracks to hikers, not necessarily understood by these people, but we understand they were camping 200 metres from where Warren parked his car. Now, that in itself should have been investigated. That campsite should have been investigated. And it's a When you quite, say these
0: people, who are you referring to,
7: by the way? The uh, shooters. I should go back, the land landowners have um, nominated this campsite as a probable place where these people were camping over Easter. I think probably these people didn't realise that it wasn't as remote as they thought and dotted all around there are, are residences, Narbathong's a couple of k's away, Hillsville's just 17 minutes drive away, like it It isn't like the Wanangatta area. It's uh, uh, quite populated uh, in a way. It's sort of hidden by the forest there.
0: So it feels really isolated. It feels like you you get there and there's, because of the foliage, because of the trees and, and everything there, you feel like you're a million miles from anybody. But actually there's people, a lot of people living close by and a lot of other people using it recreationally, particularly over Easter
7: long weekend. Yes, exactly, and it's a very easy place to access over Easter. And, um, you know, always, we searched for two years solid and always when we pulled into that car park, Dom Dom Saddle Car Park, there was always another car pulling in or a car there already, like it's not an isolated spot at all. So
0: you think that like Warren, they took themselves there for the Easter long weekend except that their purpose was to go shooting guns.
7: Yes, and I don't think they were... Well, you're not allowed to hunt in that area. It's a water catchment and you're not allowed to hunt at Easter. I think they were boys with their toys and they've just um, shot the uh, bush apart and they did it on Saturday afternoon and again on Easter Sunday morning and then all of a sudden the shooting stopped and the landowners as well as ourselves have said, why finish a holiday halfway through Easter? Like that action in itself is very suspicious after you've been, you know, shooting like that. Why not stay another day or so if you're camping there, which is what most campers would do. So we feel that action in itself is quite suspicious.
0: Because uh, over the years you've had a lot of awful ideas to contend with yes. when it comes to uh, Warren's disappearance, haven't you? Yes. Uh, and this is the one that, that seems most likely to you now,
7: is it? This is such an extreme event. Um, the landowners uh, made a statement this year, in fact. It was the first time they've gone public and they believe, like we do, that these people are just shooting at anything. And these weapons being so high powered, automatic weapons. I mean, it just, it's mind boggling what sort of people are out there doing that sort of thing. Um, it's uh, disgusting. And then to cover up perhaps what you've done is another um, horrible thing to do to a family. We're carrying this for the rest of our lives. It was reported early on in that first week that Warren went missing. The landowners took it to police and it was not acted on. And eight months later, when we found this out, we went public on a current affair and this is when we first found out about the shooting. Already it's eight months too late. Um, It's a real tragedy. We were the ones, (coughs) pardon me, asking police to act on it eight months down the track. So
0: it's very difficult. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer that our bodies react to things and when your throat starts to close up, it's telling you that it doesn't want to Yes, <clears throat> keep talking
7: about. To go there, um, we've had 13 and a half years of um, this. It's a long time and I've got small grandchildren and they're already starting to ask questions about grandpa. They have to deal with that in time. Um
0: and particularly when you're starting to talk about being disbelieved for, for th- such a long time talking to police and I'm listen a big supporter of policing and certainly at the moment we're talking to police and and the missing persons squad about about this other case in the high country and and I think they're doing a good job but in your case you've you had a really hard time didn't you 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 overheard mm-hmm. people saying things about Warren uh being unskillful in the way that he went walking when you knew that that was not the case. I mean, this was a man who'd walked Kokoda. This was a man who you knew was a skillful hiker.
7: Yes, deep down in, you know, you know it in the roots of your being. Like, I hiked with him for 31 years. He was only going on a morning's walk before he was going to meet all the holiday group for lunch. It was only a morning's walk in an area that he loved you know the mountain ash he loved and um, it is and it is on the surface a really lovely place there and the Black Spur is so um, pretty and we've visited that area before but no way could you ever imagine on Easter Sunday morning there would be these idiots out there shooting the place apart. And why hasn't this been such a big issue? Um, People should be screaming out about that. And they're not. There's a silence. There's a silence, yeah. And I've had locals approach me about their uh, experiences with people with guns. One man has a hearing loss because he was bashed by these two guys with high-powered rifles. He came across the rifles leaning up against a tree and that was the response. And there was basically no backup from police with that either. So um, people, I think, up there could tell you many stories of what these cowboys are doing.
0: Well, this is my point. These There seem to be these throwaway lines in a lot of the media about, oh, yeah, there were people stealing from campsites. Oh, yeah, there are guys who cut fences to get in there in the off season there are guys who bury drums full of supplies so they can go in there in the off season when it's illegal to hunt deer what do you mean why why are you just talking about this like it's just part of the way things are i don't understand this flippant attitude about these guys there's a couple of rambos uh, isn't one rambo too many i don't understand is it out of fear or is it good for the local economy to allow these people to f- exist? What What do you think it is?
7: Well, I think there's confusion over legal hunters and there obviously isn't issue with deer, but there are people who are taking such liberties up there because they know they won't be uh, found out about it. because there's this sort of attitude, oh, well, you know, just people out there shooting, like the fellow who got his ear Um, injured from those two men and that's well documented it was recorded in the local papers Um, someone also in the papers has said you know if this had happened in Melbourne there would have been an outcry and yet people are having I think in one case a horse was shot in the home paddock there were bullet holes in a house Um, and there are people outside of that area who've approached me also over holidaying and having these terrible things happen, Um, people with guns. And it's not the legitimate hunter, the one that's doing the right thing. It's these cowboys out there. And I think there are quite a few of them. And I also
0: wonder, there must be a community in which there are a lot of rumours about what exactly has happened to Russell Hill and Carol Clay, if not all of the people who have gone missing up there, including Warren. There must be a community of people who are talking. There must be a lot of scuttlebutt,
7: you would think. Oh, I would think so. I think I'd be very hesitant to camp up there. I'd be very hesitant to hike up there, Um. I think people are learning that things aren't as they should be in the bush areas. Um, I can't really comment on the other missing people, but I really believe the couple at Bonangatta, highly probable they've been shot as well, which is a terrible thing to say. But through my own experience, I believe that could be highly probable.
0: When you hear about a case like this, what happens to you and your family? What is the What is the PTSD sort of related reaction that that reverberates through your family when that happens?
7: Well, I feel so um, sorry for them, but I feel relieved that there's a missing persons unit now that is pursuing this doggedly. When Warren went missing, we were left with one regional detective way out of his death. This was way depth. Way out of his uh, experience level, and that's what we got. But now at least you've got highly skilled operators who are throwing everything at this, and I hope, I really hope there are answers for that family because this is a horrible journey. This is the worst journey you could ever make in life.
0: So really, it was really down to you. I know you and your family, Warren's brother, and your children still
7: search the forest. Yeah, it's, it's not Warren's brother, it's actually my brother. It's your brother? Yes, my brother, Alan, who's a, has been a real hero in this. And uh, because we were basically left on our own, we searched for two years and it's not easy out there. We had to bush bash because we believed that he's, he could have been dragged in. That was quite a feasible thing. Um, to think about we had what does that
0: mean he could have been dragged in what do you mean by well, that?
7: well you know once shot or once killed his bed because it's messy bush so he wasn't found on or near tracks and they'd been searched dozens of times both officially and unofficially um I really hope if my You know, I mean, I'm getting old now, but I really hope lessons are learnt from our case. And it wasn't just the police handling of the case. It was going to the coroner's court and waiting for a death certificate for 10 years so that I could get back and live a normal life. I could actually say my husband was um, dead and I had a death certificate.
0: Yeah, because there's lots of formal stuff, isn't there? There's bank accounts and there's insurance and so much, like, practical stuff you you just can't do.
7: Yeah, and in many ways the process after Warren went missing was as crippling as losing Warren in those circumstances. Uh, like, we really have been through hell. Uh, we continue to go through hell, but at least... Um, I feel that with his death certificate I could say to the world my husband is deceased.
0: Yep. And now I know that you've got a a retired detective who just takes it upon himself to help families like yours, Valentine Smith. You're working with him now to try and get an inquest. Is that true?
7: Uh, Well, we've done the inquest. Um, It's not to our satisfaction but... We are working for answers. He has a brilliant mind, he's the most incredible person, and I found him accidentally. You know, it shouldn't be families finding someone accidentally, but his skill level is extraordinary. And he has been the only one to forensically examine events that were occurring up there at the time Warren was hiking, and this was done 11 years down the track. Like, this is not satisfactory. And he believes, like we believe, that Warren has made his fate at the hands of others. And he's such a skilled operator. It would be foolish for people not to listen to what he has to say about this. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, uh, thank you so for much sure. for for talking to us and and all the best, and I hope that with whatever it is this these new leads that they have in the Hill Clay case that it may lead to something in your case as well. Yes,
7: you would hope. Thank you. I think there's a warning there. I mean I can talk about Warren's case and we can talk about the one and Gadda case. But unless people start looking at this issue of guns, someone else can be impacted. And so if I talk up today, um, it might help that journey into the future even if we mightn't get answers.
0: And I think it's good for people to realise too, there's a sort of a sense of um, security, I think false security in Australia, that the gun buyback after Port Arthur solved all of our problems. Mm. Uh, You know, I think it's a misunderstanding. Yes,
7: but when there's someone out there with ill intent, whether it's in the city or the country, there's very little you can do, even though you might be a skilled operator like Warren and you're doing nothing more than a simple morning's walk. You cannot fight something like that. He would have tried the utmost to get back to us. He was such a, a survivor and yet he couldn't do it. And I think of the couple up at Wanangata; they were so well prepared for their camping trip. So organised and um, it's hard to imagine people would do something to you. But there are people, no matter where, and it's not just a city problem. There's issues in the country as well. Warren and I, because we camped a lot, we actually were camping up near Jamison somewhere um, over a holiday period and we drove in and there were all these um, men gathered around a campfire, like the temperature was well in the 30s, they had this big roaring fire and they started drinking and then as soon as the sun went down, they were just sitting there shooting off um, randomly and Warren and I pitched a tent and we dragged it off the embankment, took it down to, to the beside the river as a protection from those people. So we've actually experienced it prior to Warren going missing and having this big question mark about shooting.
0: You'll find more information about Warren Meyer's disappearance on our social media, as well as the latest about Russell Hill and Carol Clay. Thank you to our guests, Z Meyer and Keith Layden, and thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week.
4: This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the ACAST Creator Network.